Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility, but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I am here with Dr. Carolyn Masseri. Welcome. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit of your background and how you came to do what you're doing. So I started out as a colon and rectal surgeon. So yeah. <laughs> so a little I'm bit board, different. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm board certified in general surgery and colorectal surgery. All right. Um, and I did that until 2014. And I practiced pretty hard. I worked a lot of hours. I did a lot of stuff. I was available literally all the time. Um, and I got kind of burned out. Yeah. And in 2014, my boss sat down with me and said, this isn't working out. I said, it's not working out for me either. <laughs> so I'm going to go. And he was like, fine, that's fine. And I just stopped practicing medicine. I turned in all my equipment. I got rid of all my books. Uh, I was about to give up my license. I decided, you know, I, I talked to my dad and I was like, I think I'm going to just give up my license. He goes, no, no, no. Even if I have to pay for it, you're going to keep that license. Yeah. You worked hard for that. So I have a license in Florida. I don't, I don't really practice anywhere else as far as medicine is concerned. Mm -hmm. But so in 2014, I stopped working and I took a good two years off before I went back to doing any medical stuff. And the first thing that I did when I went back to medicine was I was the um, medical director for a retreat in Peru with people doing, working with the Shipibo um, Native Americans. So working with um, uh, autoimmune issues. Okay. So I spent six weeks in the jungle in Peru with shamans and doing ceremony every single night and prescribing plant medicine for people. So they, what they do is they go into ceremony with ayahuasca and then they come up with the right herbs and plants to use for each of the patients. So they make a, they kind of like go around and they like look at the spirit of each person who's um, in the group and they come up with the right prescriptions for them. And we had quite a bit of success. I wouldn't say that every single patient was a success, but it was pretty extraordinary in six weeks to see the changes that people made. And two of the people that we worked with who had um, thyroid, um, one was Graves disease and the other one was Hashimoto's, um, stopped having thyroid problems and haven't gone back to being on any medication since. So wow. it was pretty that was a pretty good introduction into like how to do things a little differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was and that, so, was that something that 
uh, like you were like really conscious and in going into, or you were like, oh, this is going to be a little fun. I'll go have fun and whatever it is. Or were you like, this is no, no, I, it was like a real job. I was, I had, you know, I, I, my intention had been to continue that job. Um, what ended up happening is that they ran into financial issues and I don't think they ever actually opened the clinic. Okay. So we did our six weeks at a, at a resort kind of, <laughs> they called it a resort. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. It was a beautiful place, but it was, you know, out in the middle of the jungle. Yeah. So we were, you see behind me how it looks like that there's like, you know, palm trees everywhere. That's what the whole place looked like. Yeah. 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 Amazing. So, and, you know, and, and dirt roads and um, mosquitoes. Oh my God. Yeah. So many mosquitoes. But, um, but it was great. You know, it was really amazing to get to work with the, with the Shipibo people because they're, they're just, their way that they do things is so different from how we do things. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so was that kind of like a big eye opener of like, okay, I'm going to shift from, were you very Western medicine when you were practicing or did well, you have I a mean, little bit of holistic? I did in you? a little, yeah, I did a little holistic stuff. My dad was always pretty holistic. My dad had a chronic autoimmune problem from the time I was about 23. So he was always trying to find ways that he didn't have to take the regular medication. He changed the way he ate. He studied a lot of supplements, you know, and he kept himself alive with that disease until he was 87. Wow. So he was diagnosed in his, if I was 23, he was 54. Yeah. He was diagnosed at 54 and he lived to be 87. And it was only in the last two years of his life that he was really on any Western medication for it. Wow. So you so, knew you had like a glimpse into that side. Yeah, that was the kind of thing that was important to me kind of as a side note. And when I talked to patients in the office, I mean, people with, you know, I did a lot of pelvic floor back then. Mm -hmm. And so people, I did other things. I did, you know, I did colon cancer. I did all the other stuff, but I had a lot of people with pelvic floor and they would come to me from like counties away because of the way that I did things, even though I was still using some Western medication, I also talked to people about lifestyle meditation. I started meditating when I was 16 mm -hmm. and, and I still meditate every day. Yeah. So, you know, that that's always been part of who I was. So, you know, taught some of the medication meditation. A lot of people don't, aren't good at like regular meditation. Mm -hmm. they're much better if you do a guided meditation with them or you do some guided imagery with them that's much easier for people and so I've taught a lot of people how to do that and found find ways to find good um, guided meditations so that they can do it for themselves um, you know and I I do recommend um, aura rings and Fitbits and those kinds of things so that people can track their their numbers their heart rate variability their um, their sleep patterns so yeah. they have a better idea of, of how they're doing. So that's a little bit, not quite as alternative medicine, because, you know, if a, a really, truly like alternative medicine person would tell you that there's too much EMF with those devices. <laughs> but I find, I do find the devices just work better, you know, and the other thing that I have a lot of people do is track their blood sugars, because an awful lot of people are right on that edge mm -hmm. of, having high blood sugar and they don't know it yeah so because you feel fine it's like high blood pressure you don't know you have high blood pressure until someone checks it 
So you don't know you have sugar problems until you check it. Yeah. So, so I do those kinds of things, which are a little bit, I think, more traditional, but overall, I mostly work with people with lifestyle, with diet, with supplements. And then for, for my pelvic floor program, I'm also working with um, a, it's like a tapper machine that helps to relax the pelvic floor. Because for most people who have pelvic floor problems, they have an issue with both tension and weakness. Mm-hmm. So you can't strengthen it as long as it's under that tension when it's spastic like that, the muscles are tight. Yeah. So relax the muscles. First of all, you know, for, for women who are trying to get pregnant, that's going to make it, um, make it easier for them to deliver. Mm-hmm. Cause if the muscles are spastic, that's going to interfere in their delivery. And a lot of women have that spastic pelvic floor, either because they've already delivered once before, or because they have other issues going on, you know? not being super relaxed can actually just make that pelvic floor spastic. So what's the importance of, um, I mean, people dealing with fertility issues hate this just relaxing, but what's the importance (laughs) of relaxing through that whole area? Um, what's the benefits even before getting pregnant? So it's going to help with your posture. Because for a lot of people, if the pelvic floor is tight, the tailbone is connected to all the muscles that go all the way around to the pubic bone. Mm -hmm. So if that pelvic floor is tight, it's pulling the tailbone under the wrong way and it's pulling on the pubic bone. So that's gonna make both the abdominal muscles irritated and the lower back muscles. Yeah. If you get the pelvic floor relaxed. And then the other thing is for a lot of us, when we stand, we tend to shift back and forth between the two legs and we tip our pelvis, right? Okay. So if we have to stand for a long time, if we're standing, like if we work at a counter or for me, when I worked in surgery, I was always having to tilt my pelvis because I had to take some of the pressure off because my muscles were tight. Yeah. And the other thing that happened to me from being in the surgery was, sorry, I keep doing that. It's okay. <laughs> I keep juggling the, the computer. Um, so the other thing that happened to me was that I had difficulty emptying my bladder because when I was in the OR, I would stand there for six hours and hold it. Yeah. But a lot of women do it because yeah. we don't, we have that, that privacy issue, right? We don't want to go to the bathroom in a public restroom or we don't want to go to the bathroom. We don't want anyone to think we're weak. So if we have to go to the bathroom every three or four hours, you know, we don't want anybody to think we can't get our job done. Yeah. And so what happened to me was that I would stand there, you know, seven, eight hours a day, not empty my bladder. And then what happened eventually was that my bladder just let go. So one day I was, I was on the trampoline with my friends and I started to dribble and I never had children. You know, that was not one of the things that I, that I ever did in my life, but because I had done all those things to it, my pelvic floor just didn't function right. Yeah. And when I started using this, the, this instrument, the machine that I've been working with, I stopped having that problem. I no longer have any, any of those kind of problems. I don't have any pain. I don't have the pulled down tailbone on my x-rays anymore. And I'm, and my muscles in my pelvic floor are relaxed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if we can talk about this, but one of the things that comes from that is it's a lot easier to have an orgasm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we could, I, if we could talk about anything on this podcast, <laughs> it's not censored. Uh, <laughs> right. So 
If you don't have access to this machine, what are the best um, exercises or things to do to help well, improve? So again, guided imagery is great because if you if you do a guided imagery for yourself where you um, actively ask your body to relax those muscles mm -hmm. and to strengthen those muscles in the correct ways and for everything to track properly, that you know that can definitely make a huge difference. Um, the other thing that, of course, I look at with anybody that comes to see me is just trying to get their inflammation levels lower. So yeah. eating a cleaner diet, checking to make sure you don't have a blood sugar problem, um, looking at any other things that might cause you, in, you know, to have an inflammatory um, system. So we're always looking at what are the inflammatory foods, you know, it's, it's things like bread, cheese, dairy, those kinds of things can definitely contribute to that. So if you're having that kind of pain, if you're having, um, or you're noticing you're having weakness, or you're noticing that you're dribbling, if you stretch the pelvic floor, or you can't make it to the bathroom, like you feel the urge to go and you can't make it to the bathroom. Those are all things that, um, that a lot of people would send you to, to see the pelvic floor specialist, but there's things you can do to help with that. One thing I definitely don't recommend though, is that people do Kegels. Yeah. <laughs> because the Kegels actually, what happens is if you already have that spasm in the muscles, they just make it spasm more, more. Yeah. Right. So, um, and a lot of those machines that they sell on Amazon are also probably not that helpful. Not the that machine helpful. that I use does not go inside anywhere. You use your, with your clothes on. Yeah. It really just, what it does is it's got these two little round tappers and they, and they work on the muscles on the muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, so lately, and hopefully by the time this podcast is out, I'm going to have some links for my listeners lately. Um, I've been doing these, it, they call it like booty yoga or like mm -hmm. twerking or yoga, right? Yeah. Like, so it's really releasing like that energy down in your hips and your pelvic exactly. area, your butt, like really shaking it out. And if you think about it, it's like literally what our ancestors used to do. If you look at, right. at all the like tribes and like the old heritages, the belly dancing, like women were yep. always moving in this sexual way, right. but obviously it wasn't necessarily sexual to them. They obviously mm -hmm. had a deeper connection of like, no, this shit needs to happen for like a lot of right. different reasons, right? Not just for sex. Right. Um, would you recommend that as well? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you live in Hawaii, the hula dancers, yeah, they do that yeah. too, right? But yeah, belly dancing, <clears throat> hula, sorry, <clears throat> um, the yin yoga, you know, yin yoga absolutely, you know, stretches that whole pelvis out, any kind of hip openers. Yeah. So the only thing to watch out for is if you're doing a hip opener and you're having pain around the pubic bone, around the tailbone. You just have to be cautious about that because you've got to let that body relax. Mm -hmm. So for some people, like, for example, if they're in a, in a hip opening position, but their butt's up in the air because they can't get it, you know, because their thighs are tight or their hamstrings are tight and they can't get it down. They, that's a place to use some support to put a pillow underneath mm -hmm. something like that. That's going to allow that pelvic floor to settle into something instead of hanging out in the air. Cause then it's going to do this. It's going to jitter. Yeah. It's going to get plastic. So you don't want to do that. Okay. So if you're doing any of those kinds of exercises, you want to make sure that you're using um, tools, blocks, pillows, bolsters, those kinds of things 
to support you in those positions. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons I trained in yin yoga and I really love it because I think, you know, they teach you how to use your body to relax itself. Yeah. Other kinds of yoga are great for stretching and I love those too, but that yin is really good for getting that, that whole area, that pelvic floor, the lower back, the hips, um, the abdomen all, all loosened up. The other thing for a lot of people is that their abdominal muscles are tight. Mm -hmm. Especially we get tight, you know, right here in the solar plexus. Yep. And we get tight down at the bottom where the bladder is. And so there's some easy things that you can do with that. You can just use your hands and then start over on the right hand side down by the hip bone and just do this like kind of, we call it cat's feet. Uh huh. Cat's feet thing. And you just follow around the colon all the way from the right side up to where the liver is, across to where the spleen is, and then down and then right over the bladder. And you can just start with that because relaxing the abdominal muscles is going to help that pelvic floor relax. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And, yeah. And we tend to hold a lot of tension. For a lot of us, we hold tension in our shoulders. But remember, the whole body's connected, right? Yes. So if you're holding tension in your shoulders, guess what? You're holding tension in your hips and your lower back too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So get that tension out. However, massage, you know, what I really love is the, um, have you ever done one of those magnesium floats? It's a, they, they fill up a tank with water and they add a ton of magnesium sulfate so that you don't, when you get in there, you float. No. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm sure they have it in Hawaii. If they have it in Naples, Florida. Yeah. It. So it's called a float. And it's awesome because it's first, it's high levels of magnesium. So magnesium is going to help your muscles to relax. Yeah. And the second thing is that it, it supports your whole body. So you just float in this tank for an hour. That sounds amazing. It is. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's some really awesome wisdom and tips. Now, do you have resources for this guided meditation that people can tap into? You know, I, I haven't got it. Not but yet. I'll, <laughs> but I'll be happy to make one for you guys and I'll set it up on my, so it'll be on my, I'll send you the links. Okay. It'll be on my website as a free gift. People can just download it. Yeah, I think that would be an amazing resource for not only our listeners, but the people who follow you as well. That sounds, yeah. I think, um, especially when you're getting into meditation, I use the circle and bloom for fertility. That was my first introductory into meditation. Mm -hmm. And let's just be honest, when you don't really believe in it, or you think it's very woo woo, it right. is much easier to have that guided meditation. It you is. just follow it. And yeah. trying to do it yourself when you first start learning it look I started out meditating transcendental meditation yeah at 16 <laughs> that's hardcore it was, yeah it was hardcore it really yeah. was and then I went so then when I went to medical school the uh, I went to the University of Massachusetts and John Kabat-Zinn I don't know if you've heard of him mm. but he's he's pretty famous for um for creating the mindfulness movement so he created the mindfulness meditation and he created a whole program and I did his program while I was yeah. there. So I'm not certified in it because they didn't certify the medical students in it. They just figured we were never going to really use it. Right. <laughs> that it was just for us. We were never going to use it for anybody else. But so he does something called mindfulness based stress reduction yeah. or MBSR. It's pretty well known. Yeah, but yeah. So I trained in the MBSR. And so then I kind of switched. I stopped doing transcendental because it's just, it's, 
too hard. But the mindfulness was great. So what we did in mindfulness in, in MBSR was we did a body scan. So you start down at your toes and you just work your whole yeah. way up through your body and you relax everything. So that's not going to hurt anything for sure. Yeah. That takes about 20 minutes and it's actually great for when you're trying to fall asleep at night mm -hmm. and you can either do it recorded. There's plenty of recordings of body scans. You can find them on YouTube. Um, you could find them on Amazon. Yeah. So there's plenty of those kinds of things. And those are really super helpful too. Yeah. It's really just, you know, getting started and start being consistent with it. You know, exactly. even if it's just like five minutes, you know, and mm -hmm. I had a, um, a mentor once say she kind of hacked the meditation where once she woke up in the morning, she just put her earbuds in and whether or not she fell back asleep, she did her meditation for the day. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, that's really brilliant for people who, you know, do have busy life mm -hmm. and maybe say, well, I, I don't have time. You know, it's like, yeah. well, even if you're doing it in your sleep and you have that guided, you're, you're doing it right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, sleep is essential, right? Yes. Yeah. So more sleep, better health, happier pelvis, happier body, happier fertility. Yeah. You know, for a lot of us, we just don't get enough sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, I think the good news for people on this kind of journey of improving their diet and their lifestyles is, for the most part, I would say everyone involved in functional medicine has like the core five or six things to do. And you don't yeah. have to do necessarily different things to achieve all the things you want to achieve. They're all encompassed in one. Like, yeah, you might have to tweak it here or there for some conditions, right. but yeah, it's like, it's pretty basic. And I was even talking to um, the gut health test company that I use Mm -hmm. And obviously it's like, for me, it's like mind blowing, like some of the stuff I'm just like, oh my God, this is so scientific. This is like nitty gritty, like microbiome stuff. And I asked her, I was like, just be honest with me. Basically, if people just eat clean and the right foods for their body, their gut health will eventually get back to homeostasis. She's like, yep. And I was like, we'll adjust right? Yeah. <laughs> it's always adjust trying to yeah and then obviously the stress and the sleep and the movement all play a very important role in gut health as well yeah but well so. and actually even one of the things to be cautious about is a lot of people just like go out and buy a probiotic yeah, yeah. and it doesn't a probiotic like most of the ones that are available out on the market they actually can make it worse because yeah. your body doesn't doesn't produce it it doesn't, you know, what you need is prebiotic, right? Fiber, 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 fiber. You mm -hmm. need plenty of fiber, eat lots of vegetables and fruits. You know, that's going to help your body to get the gut better, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I take everybody off their probiotics when they start working with me. Yeah. 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 I definitely make sure that we're getting a high quality one. And then especially if you're doing the gut health test where we can specifically look at what key right. nutrient or key species are low, but the list is long of food. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. here's all the food that correlates to what your gut needs. And this is what is going to make yeah. a long lasting result. Um, yeah, unfortunately, um, supplements are a big thing. I mean, for everyone, and especially in the infertility world, you think, this is the magic thing that's going to get me pregnant and it's there for right. support. It's right. That's what it's there for. It's not magic, but, um, right. My yeah. concern is always like in functional medicine, 
there's like a whole group of functional medicine people that kind of treat supplements like medications. Yeah. And you have to be careful of that because the medic, you know, the supplements, a lot of times they're there to treat symptoms, mm-hmm. but we didn't, you know, you got to get down to the root cause of what's happening for people. Yeah, exactly. So you can like, and the worst thing is that you could buy just about any supplement you want on Amazon, but nobody's vetting that for you. Nobody's going through it and saying, oh, you should like kelp, for example. You know, a lot of people will take kelp because they think they need a little thyroid support. Well, an awful lot of people are sensitive to the iodine in the kelp mm-hmm. and they actually shouldn't take kelp. Yeah. But they don't know it. And the other one is, that, again, iodine. A lot of people were told, oh, take these huge doses of iodine because it helps your thyroid. Don't take huge doses of iodine. Your body's not designed for that. If you need, if you need iodine, get your level checked. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Appropriate amount. But don't just take iodine because you think, oh, it's going to make me more fertile. I mean, because there are a lot of people that say that the little, the high doses of iodine are for, are good for fertility and, and it's not necessarily going to help your your thyroid because your body doesn't know what to do with it all. Yeah, exactly. And, and that might not be why your thyroid's acting up in the first place, right? Like right. you want to identify your thyroid just doesn't go berserk to go berserk. It's linked to so right. many other things right. that you want to figure out what's triggering it. I mean, it's so hard because a lot of the time I feel like, um, you know, people just struggle and go through all these Western doctors and fertility treatments and all that. And they're just, I I know because I was there, I was the one taking handfuls of supplements. I'm surprised I didn't go blue. And at (laughs) one point it, um, I was working with an iridologist who literally put me on the most supplements I've ever been on my life. And one of them was, um, in hindsight, messing with my estrogen levels. And it was the first time my period went wonky. So if there was anything going right with me, it was my period. And then all of a sudden it was not. And, um, so yeah, like supplements for me are, um, the very last missing piece. I mean, it's the first piece, like you look at the list and I'm like, weed this all out. Unless right. a medical professional died or puts you on that, then this is a conversation you have to go have with them. But yeah. everything else you've self-prescribed, stop. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and let's target it if needed. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a fine balance, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I, you know, for me personally, I pick through all the kinds of supplements that are out there because I I don't really love the ones that have like. 18 things in them right yeah yeah. because if you're having a problem with one of those things we won't know which one yeah and and the other one that's i'm cautious about is a lot of companies add huge amounts of b vitamins to their supplements Mm -hmm. and you don't need that much b if you're taking like three of those supplements that have extra b in them you're getting too much b yeah yeah you know yeah that that can too much B6 can make you anxious. Mm-hmm. Too little B6 can cause a lot of problems, but too much B6 can make you anxious. Yeah. So if you're taking a bunch of those kinds of, you know, multi supplements or multivitamins, then yeah. you're, you're probably getting too much of a lot of things. Well, I mean, that this is one of the part of my services. So my one to one coaching is I look very thoroughly through your supplements and like mm-hmm. you're on a prenatal that has all these other things that you are there for 
double dosing in. Mm -hmm. It's like, unless we know your levels and we know we, you need that much, let's right. either stop one of them and right. just get a, a, a level. So yeah, it's really important. Well, um, and I don't think that a lot of the prenatals, the prescribed prenatals, they have, they have the inactive versions of like, for example, the B vitamins. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're getting pyridoxine instead of P5P and, you know, you're getting um, unmethylated B12. So it's cyanocobalamin. You have to look at the fact that cyanocobalamin has what? Cyanide. Yeah. Yeah. So you really your, don't want to take those. Yeah, yeah. What's your take on folic acid then? Um, I tend to go back and forth between using methylated folate and the calcium folinate. Mm -hmm. So um, you want to kind of balance both of them. Both of those out. But regular uh, folic acid usually is not the right thing for most women. Yeah. Because greater than 50% of people in the, in, the, um, in the population have MTHFR. So I don't want to go too deep down that route. No, 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 we won't. Yeah. But, but they have methylation issues. Yeah. So you have to be careful about not giving them too much regular folic acid. Yeah. You should take a form of folate, folate rather than the folic acid. And you have to watch out for things like bread doughs and things like that are all fortified, fortified. with folic acid. Mm -hmm. And folic yeah. acid is actually the artificial version of yes. folate. Yeah. I bring it up because um, obviously on the functional medicine side, we're looking at this new research. We're looking at the MTFHR, you know, all these right. different things. And I did a little post on it on Instagram and I literally got destroyed by a very well-known OB double board, double board certified OBGYN telling me, and I wasn't telling people not to take folic acid. I was just showing the difference between right the different forms and why you might want to think about it. And right. she literally had a field day saying that information was not true. This is what the CDC says. Da, 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 da. And I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't have a discussion with her. Right. Like it wasn't an open right. discussion, which that's what science should be. Yeah, it was very much. I know what I'm talking about. You don't. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm hope I'm hopeful in 10 years that you'll catch up with the new research. Have a great day. <laughs> I I can't, well, I'm not here like, to change your mind. It's like the people who say that meat is bad for you. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, it's funny. I don't really work a lot with blood types, but I do know that certain blood types, they really do better with meat. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the O blood types are much happier if they're getting some animal protein. Yeah. And, the B types are okay if they eat purely vegan and they usually do okay. So all those studies, like for example, the Framingham heart study uh -huh. goes way back to the seventies. Um, they, they edited their data to get <laughs> the results they wanted. Yes. And then somebody went back and actually like went through all the data and recalculated it. And it, it, their data was not, it didn't, it, it wasn't right. Right. I, th I mean, that's what I kind of, um, my big message is like, find what's right for you. Like mm -hmm. my diet advice is find your food intolerances. That's the number one thing you can right. absolutely do. And, um, you know, stop following the crowd on what supplement is the new supplement or all those mm -hmm. types of things. It's absolutely. very individualized. And it's complicated. And even I feel like I have a higher level knowledge 
about these things. And then you, I speak to someone like you and I'm like, oh my God, I know nothing. It's, um, it is very complicated, but if you, for me, what, how I try to explain it is look at how your ancestors lived. Mm-hmm. They weren't downing Macca. They weren't, you know, unless like, they're unless they're, yeah, unless they had it in their vicinity, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, they ate the whole meat the whole animal yes literally snout to tail exactly it was very very important to them um you know they they ate what grew in the seasons you know Mm -hmm. so I know we can't live like that now Mm -hmm. um not that we can't but it is challenging to live like that now but doing the best that you can will will be optimal for you also have to remember they didn't have sugar yes right they had honey, mm-hmm. maybe they had some other kinds of sweeteners, but sugar, sugar wasn't around them. Yeah. And especially this bleached, over-processed white sugar that's in everything. Right. They yeah. didn't have they didn't have that. So, you know, and, yeah. and you know, there's people who would argue that the life expectancy has gone up since the days of those things. But the reality is that life expectancy has kind of flattened out. And is actually starting to curve downward. Down, yeah. So somewhere in there, we started doing something wrong. Yeah. Well, isn't it Gen Z like the first generation to be predicted to not outlive their parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real thing. Like people need to wake the fuck up. And <laughs> like yeah. so. this isn't like a conspiracy theory. It's out there in the open for you and. <laughs> my infertility really was the big spotlight. And I am assuming most people listening to this, their infertility has made them wake up, right? Like, okay, what I'm doing isn't working and therefore I need to change. So I think most people who, um, no, I guess I can't say that because the pharmaceutical companies are billionaires. Most people with chronic illnesses don't go, oh, I need to change something. They're most likely take a pill. And in fairness, I went straight to IVF before I did any diet and lifestyle changes because at the time there was no information out there for well, and fertility. It didn't seem like there was time, right? When you're, when you're in the infertility zone, the, the clock is ticking. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, you don't know how long you're going to have good eggs. You don't know how long your, you know, how long your body's going to, you know, it'll take before your body stops responding to some of these things. You know, I went through it myself. I mean, I, I had infertility myself and I just didn't, I ended up not having children, but I didn't do any of those things because I didn't know about them. Yeah. Basically what the gynecologist told me is you're never going to get pregnant on your own. Mm -hmm. If you want to get pregnant, we can get you pregnant. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do it that way. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't want to do it that way. And, and then it was funny because as I started to do more of this kind of stuff, my, um, my eggs started working again <laughs> when I was like, how old was I? 48, mm-hmm. 48, 49. Um, yeah. I started eating healthy. I lost some weight. I stopped eating sugar. Cause you know, when I was a surgeon, we ate sugar. Just, right. <laughs> It's the only way to get well, just being a surgeon alone has to be taxing for the body, right? Let alone your diet. So, you know, so, so I didn't, I didn't ovulate from age 30 to probably age almost 50. 
Yeah. And then all of a sudden I started like eating right and everything started working right. And then I started ovulating again. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course I went through menopause. So I actually went through menopause twice. Twice. Yeah. Because I had premature ovarian failure when I was 31. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't really think about it that much. You know, I just was, uh, I mean, I, I tolerated most of the stuff because I was too busy. Yeah. I, you know, I, I had so many other things going on. It didn't occur to me that I was having hot flashes or that it was interfering in like my joy of life. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. and then I, and then I fixed things. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had to go through menopause again. Right. <laughs> But I mean, like, you know, like back then the information just wasn't out there. There wasn't anyone speaking. And I guess I was just lucky in the sense that people started um, not necessarily relating it to fertility, but um, like Sean Croxton from Underground Wellness was out. Um, Mm -hmm. The paleo mom started blogging about autoimmune issues. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Dave Asbury started getting really big and he (laughs) had his podcast. So like, I don't care what you say about him, that, that guy's podcast was like breaking boundaries of like people's like health, you know? And yeah, yeah, those podcasts were just what shifted for me Mm -hmm. and to have that information and to be able to do things with them because I started at 27 at 27, I couldn't get pregnant naturally, but I got pregnant naturally at 36, like Mm -hmm. stop the BS about age and aid quality. Like that's not a thing anymore. It's all cellular health. It's all oxidated stress. You know, those things matter. And actually getting rid of, you know, one of the things that's been interesting for me is they've been studying how to get rid of what they call the senescent cells. S-E-N-E-S-C-E-N-T. So what happens is you have this natural cell death that happens in your body. Mm-hmm. But if you're not healthy and you have a lot of inflammation, the cell stays around. So there's this like dead cell. Yeah. But it still releases chemicals. And it releases the, to- yeah. Right. So you have to get rid of those, those senescent cells. And do you do that through a natural detox process? It's like or, um, so if you're not detoxing correctly, you don't get rid of them type of thing? So or? Some of the ways to get rid of it is to balance out your nerf one, nerf two. Um, so that's, uh, so nerf one is things like ginger, curcumin, I forget, a couple of things like that. So balancing that stuff out can help it. The other thing is there's something called a fasting mimicking diet. And you do like very low calories for five days, but it's a very specific way to do it so that your body never thinks it's starving. Because if okay. your body thinks it's starving, then it shuts everything down. Yeah. So you don't want the body to shut anything down. But you, so if you do this fasting mimicking diet every month for five days for like three or four months, it kind of clears out all those half dead cells. And how do you know if you have? these half dead cells is there like a test or there's not still so new as far as i know there isn't specifically a test people look at um let me think there's a couple of ways to look at it but you know the easiest way to look at it is try the diet and see if you feel better (laughs) right it's not hard it wasn't hard I, i did it three months in a row um and i lost like I lost some, a little bit of weight. I didn't lose a lot of weight. You know, I was looking to lose a lot of weight, but I lost a little weight. I noticed that my skin was shinier and that I just felt like I had a lot more energy. Yeah. 
So I'm actually, I need to do it again, but I had COVID in August and I'd just been sort of trying to, um, to take care of myself. Yeah. I, I've had, unfortunately, so I had COVID in August and I've had, before I had COVID, I was having some like crazy cardiac issues. And then after COVID, I continued to have those. And I went to see the cardiologist and, you know, I had to go to the Western cardiologist because there really aren't a lot of functional cardiologists, right? Yeah. So, and I, but he was, his wife is a functional medicine doctor. So he kind of understands that stuff. It was an interesting conversation because like he believes the Framingham studies and all that kind of stuff a lot more than I do. But he said, but he wasn't rude or obnoxious about it. He said, you know, I think the truth is we're going to meet in the middle. You guys are going to see that some of the stuff you do is crazy. We're going to see that some of the stuff we do is crazy. We're going to figure out a way to help because people are still dying of heart disease. Right. So anyways, he said, what's been happening is that the, the heart thing lasts about six months. There's not much I can do about it. Like I'm doing all my normal stuff Mm -hmm. and, and it's getting better. It's been, that's been a challenge for me because it slowed me way down in doing a lot of the other things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I feel like uh, functional medicine, um, depending on when you find it, like how much damage you've done to yourself unknowingly, yep. right? right? Like it's not a blame game. Right. Um, and a lot of the time you didn't have a choice. Like you're, you're, when you were in your mother's womb, like we're going all the way back that far right right? um so you're you were an egg this is like the weird thing when you really look at it right you were an egg in your mother's ovary when your grandmother was pregnant pregnant. yeah yeah it's uh, and so it really starts there Mm -hmm. if you really Mm want to go and that's why I think it's really important to um push this narrative that eggs are a living cell Mm-hmm. and they're always they're gonna change right it changes it grows into a baby so how can you not influence its health before right. that happens like it doesn't right. make sense that our skin can regenerate our you can put a new organ in someone and it can regenerate in the body like how the fuck can right. a cell of an egg cannot man- be manipulated of, right. <laughs> of course absolutely and the other thing you have to look at is epigenetics, right? Yes. Yeah. So like you've got your, you've got your genetics the way that, however that worked out, but you know, again, like that methylation thing we talked about earlier, that's going to affect how well your, your genes replicate. Yes. So if you correct your methylation issues, then your genes correct properly. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's so important. Yeah. It's been so amazing talking to you. I could literally do this forever, but um, I know. let our listeners know where they can find you and connect with you um, maybe before pregnancy and definitely after if they're having yeah. any issues. Absolutely. But I do think, you know, we didn't really talk too much about it, but you know, being prepared for that before you get pregnant can be really helpful in having a better delivery. And also just like during pregnancy, not having the bladder issues, yes. not having the constipation issues, not having that, um, those Braxton Hicks contractions, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. It could be really helpful to just get that, those muscles relaxed. Yeah, definitely. But let so, us know where we can find you. I will. I'll definitely send you the link for that free gift. Okay. Um, and I'll create that meditation because I think that's a great idea. I love it. And I yeah. Think really What's helpful. your website called right now? Right now, I don't have a website. Oh, okay. Where are you on Instagram? So I'm on Facebook. Uh, 
You're on Facebook. Okay. I do have an Instagram account. I just don't use it very much. Where, um, you obviously have a physical. I'm Dr. Mercer on Instagram. Okay. Say that again. D-R-M-E-S-S-E-R-E. Okay. Well, all the links that will eventually be there, if they're not there yet, are going to be down in the show notes. Absolutely. (laughs) And -hmm. thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.